You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. A.K.A. DJ 100% Cotton. <laughs> What's your favorite scary movie? Life. My life. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your <clears throat> favorite movies from the 1990s. Right, Hang on a second. I'm going to ask, what's with the pause there? Nothing. We take your favorite movies from the 1990s to the mid-2000s, and we look at them objectively and see, do they hold up as objective educated moviegoers oh welcome to the final act (laughs) (laughs) this week we watched 2000s mystery horror slasher can i call it that i guess scream trois scream three the best of the screams right obviously obviously the best of the screams uh so i'll I'll let you me start. go ahead. Yeah, yeah, let me start. So I, I picked this movie. Okay, it's mm. no secret because one, it's a horror movie, and that's you know one of my favorite genres. Alley. Yes, yeah. Uh, but yeah, just a movie that Zach had no interest in whatsoever. Zero, none. Had you seen the previous Scream movies? I had seen Scream One. I actually don't know if I've seen Scream Two. Jada Pinkett in the movie theater in the beginning. I guess not. No. Oh man, you're missing out. We yeah. probably should have watched that one first. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. I, believe it or not, this was a movie I thought I could just pick up without uh, watching Scream 2. Turns out I was dead fucking wrong. I had no idea what was going on in this movie. This is a shockingly complex and convoluted like horror series. Most of them is just like, you know, oh, he comes back from the grave and he's killing somebody. You know, a Jason Michael version. Mm-hmm. You can kind of pick up at any sequel and get like, oh, I get what's going on. This is all like Star Wars. Like, this person's Dude. related to that person and this is a villain and that's a good guy and this person's been manipulating it's fucking yeah it deep, is fucking dude, deep cuts it's a deep web and it's <laughs> even more like star wars because there's a star wars character in it <laughs> that's true that's Ooh, we're gonna true. get to that later so this one of course directed by uh wes craven who did obviously screams one through four this is you know had a follow-up mm-hmm. many years later but was the concluding chapter supposedly at the time of a very successful one of the more successful horror Trilogies, now a quadrology, quadrilogy, quadrility. We'll call it that. <laughs> uh, of all time, very successful. Yeah. So the first scream made 103 million dollars. Was uh, out of nowhere hit. Truly mm-hmm. changed uh, the game for horror. Besides, if you're thinking 90s horror, it's usually Scream uh, Seven and Silence of the Lambs are really the big movies that kind yeah, of shaped this was that kind, this decade. Was, yeah, this kind of you know where Silence of the Lambs is like a psychological adult thriller. This was more for like I guess sort of young adults to teenager ish, and this was the summer like, hey, let's go chill in the in the theater with the air conditioning and just enjoy like a scary movie. I don't think it had sort of the psychological impacts that a movie like Silence of the Lambs would have had. No, for sure. And I didn't it didn't receive quite the critical acclaim, but was very well liked by critics and mm-hmm. audiences. It actually came out during like the Christmas season and was such a hit that it extended all the way through to almost this next summer that they were still in theaters while they were greenlighting, greenlighting rather, another sequel. I will admit that I do love the first Scream movie too. I, yeah. I, I you know, I'm not I'm not huge on horror. I like horror movies, especially now that I'm older. I like horror movies. Back then, I wasn't crazy about them, but I do remember liking the first Scream. Scream was fascinating because it was one of the first, you know, 
type of those movies to reference other horror movies. And so the characters knew, you know, of the, the tropes and the cliches. And even though the movie every once in a while would fall into them, it referenced them and acknowledged them and was, was truly a breath of fresh air and is, yeah. is genuinely probably in my top 10 movies of all time. I love I the first Scream. I would never go that far, but I respect that. Opinion. I got you. Yeah. And again, uh, Scream 2 was also pretty damn good. I wouldn't put it anywhere near any of my favorite films, but it's a decent uh, slasher sequel when it comes to the horror genre. So... That one takes place, it is kind of referencing sequels and the nature of continuing these stories that kind of mean, uh, shouldn't have any continuation, you know what I mean? So the fact that they try to tie this in, there's so much talk of trilogies and the rules of trilogies, and that's where the movie kind of loses me. Dude, I, like, we were talking, and and we'll definitely dive into this in terms of overall thoughts, but uh, this was a movie that, you know, Wes Craven is not an amateur when it comes to shooting these no, types of movies, all. obviously. Uh, it's very well shot. It's well put together. But my God, I don't know if I've ever seen a worse script in my life. <laughs> like, it's honestly, it's confusing. Even without the context of the other movies, it's confusing. Yeah. It's it's just, just badly written. It's badly Bad written. The dialogue's terrible. It, it makes no goddamn sense. Well, it's written by the guy who did Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Oh, the best Transformers. <laughs> Aaron Kruger took over for Kevin Williamson, who did the first two screams and, you know, our favorite, I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> uh, he did a few of the, the faculty and, and movies like that throughout the 90s, but apparently he was unavailable to return to writing duties, but he did write an outline for the film. Aaron Kruger, however, all but ignored it. <laughs> and, uh, most of the written was written on the fly with pages usually completed the day they were be- You <laughs> can't be even tell. Uh, the characters bore so little resemblance to their appearances in the prior films that Wes Craven himself did rewrites. Wow. Wow. Yikes. So like I said, it is directed by Wes Craven. Let's look at his filmography here because he's an interesting filmmaker. He started off with The Last House on the Left, pretty goddamn brutal, and like take a shower after you watch it type of movie. Mm -hmm. Same with The Hills Have Eyes. Then he did Swamp Thing, Hills Have Eyes 2, A Nightmare on Elm Street. So this is where he kind of establishes himself as, you know, a creative horror filmmaker. He did Deadly Friend, The Serpent and the Rainbow, Shocker, The People Under the Stairs, which is a weird little fucked up movie that you should check out if you're if you're interested in his uh, filmography. Okay. Wes Craven's New Nightmare, where he took back over the Nightmare on Elm Street series, and that's where he kind of delved into the whole idea of meta filmmaking and commenting on the the genre itself and himself and all that. And it got a little uh, I, I would say up its own ass, ass yeah. up its own ass, but it's really creative, and I would say very ahead of its time. Okay. <laughs> uh, then he did Vampire in Brooklyn, Scream 1 through 4, Music of the Heart, which is he's like one drama thrown in there. It starred Meryl Streep. <laughs> Fucking bizarre, my yeah. friend. I've never seen it, but she was nominated for Best Actress. Of course she was. Yeah. Well, you, she can't Streep. do a movie yeah, and not get nominated. Damn it. That's crazy. She also did, uh, he also did Cursed, which was a terrible werewolf movie. Mm-hmm. Red Eye, a really good I remember Todd Thriller with Killian Murphy and Rachel yep. McAdams. Pretty solid movie. And he wound up ending his career on My Soul to Take and Scream 4. Scream 4, which came after this, not as good as the first two in my opinions, but it's better than the third one here. Uh, but My Soul to Take was god-awful. Yeah, I, I like remember My Soul to Take, actually. Off. It was awful. <laughs> 
<laughs> so to put this this one in perspective, the first Scream has a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. The second one actually has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the fourth one has a 59%. Oh, but what does this one this have? This one Brandon? has a 36%. Mm. The consensus was Scream 3 has become what it originally spoofed. Despite some surprising twists, the movie seems to have lost its freshness and originality by falling back on the old horror formulas and cliches. I mean, it literally falls back on like the first movie. Yeah. I, it, it, it's, it actually it's almost, references the first it's movie. It's almost like, the same movie. Ah, it's, almost. Yeah, it's, uh, the first one's much better. Just of much course better. it is. Yeah, I, I get what no, you're but saying. You know what I mean? There's not like, a lot new to the table here. No. Yeah. So it's got a 5.5 on IMDb. It was made for $40 million. It earned $89 million in the U.S. and $161 million worldwide. Um, the fourth one wound up only grossing $38 million. So I guess mm-hmm. the uh, you know audience... Oh, they caught on, did they? They caught on, I suppose. <laughs> Again, there was a big stretch of gap from 2000. I think that that one came out in like 2011 or 12 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was a big gap. Scream 1, 2, and 3, however, hold the top three spots for the highest grossing slashers of all time, followed by Freddy vs. Jason, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, and I Know What You Did Last Summer. Mm. <laughs> so this movie, interestingly enough, was released the same year as Scary Movie, which actually came in ninth at the box office with $157 million. That movie made more than all the screams and all the slashers. And so much good came out of the Scary Movie. Dude, the first Scary Movie <laughs> is funny. <laughs> well, I think it's funny. Stay tuned. Well, maybe stay, stay tuned. tuned. That could be a stay tuned because yeah. I remember loving that movie. I remember because... liking it too, but I was also pretty young when I saw oh, that yeah. movie. So I don't know if the humor holds up, honestly. Well, you know, we're pretty juvenile still. I feel like a lot On of occasion. it could hold up. Yeah, a yeah. lot of it could hold up. The movie stars Nev Campbell, uh, David Arquette, and Courtney Cox. Those are the three returning characters, uh, excluding Lee Schreiber, who <laughs> is in the first movie for one scene in a in the, like a news clip on a television, yeah. just establishing his character. The second movie, he kind of becomes an asshole and almost the villain of the movie, but then re- redeems himself at the very end, and it's just kind of a side character in this movie you expect him to kind of be maybe the lead or because they've been building up this character as his his character is kind of interesting he was wrongly accused of murdering this woman was sent to prison and then freed once they realized oh shit he didn't do it it was actually these two crazy ass high school students but they give him absolutely nothing and he's killed in the very first scene of this movie (laughs) i think that's probably a good (laughs) jumping in point to get into this hang on a second there's a few more there's just a few more i'm sorry all right (sighs) we're gonna go through this movie quickly because there's honestly not a whole lot oh, no, to man, talk it's about. It's complicated. There's a lot going on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry if this runs a little long. David Arquette and Courtney Cox met on the set of the first Scream. They dated while they were shooting Scream 2, and they were married a month before principal photography for Scream 3 began, and they divorced right around Scream 4. <laughs> <laughs> so their whole movie, what? their, whole their chemistry is burning intensity in this Dude. movie. There's, I swear to God, there's a point where he kisses her and he doesn't know where to put his hands. It's so (laughs) awkward. (laughs) And that's his wife at the time. That's his wife. So the film, a new wife. Yeah, a new wife too. The film never had a public test screening. The cast and crew only had their first chances to see the finished product at the premiere because of fears of spoilers being put out on the internet. Oh, that would have sucked. The second film's production was right around the time when the internet was kind of in its you know assholey heyday when people were just leaking all this stuff, and it was the very first. Oh, so it came out in 2016. <laughs> it was the very one. Of, I think the very first like famously leaked script that they had to redo the ending because. Wow. 
people already knew it out online. So this was, and they even comment on this. There's a whole lot of commenting on the film's production and, and the horror genre in general. But Zach, I see your eyes rolling. You know what? Let's just jump <laughs> Let's right just into this it, bitch. Man. So we open up on an LA, what, highway? It's traffic. And yeah. there's all these billboards for Cotton Weary, his new show, 100% Cotton. Fucking amazing. I was saying that he needed a little sidekick. He needed like Andy Richter to play Richard Polyester. So it could be 90% Cotton, 10% Polyester. <laughs> Such a stupid, so stupid. It's really good joke right off the bat. Oh my God. Continue. This is the type of jokes you get if you listen to this. Be damned. <laughs> yeah, if you're a first time listener, buckle up, Buttercup. So yeah, national syndicated television. What a lucky guy. And he's kind of an asshole. He's a pompous douche. He's wearing an all white suit. So you automatically know, I'm not going to like this guy. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's Lee Schreiber. I love him. He's such a gorgeous man. He what really a cool is. dude. Ray Donovan. Mm. Never seen the show. Mm. Heard it's great. Trailers look good. <laughs> <laughs> so he's yelling at his agent or his publicist or something, and he gets a call from what sounds like a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. And immediately, it, it, weird, like it's a wrong number, but this celebrity, I guess, is so hot and horny. He has got a wife or a girlfriend. He's just like, oh, I'm going to indulge this woman for whatever reason. Hangs up on his publicist, although despite being in a heated okay, conversation. <laughs> yeah, and he also, can we just put out the reason he's got someone on the other line is because he's calling his agent on a car phone. Oh, Love yeah. those. Yep. Miss the car phone. Uh, and on the other end, he's got a cell phone. So not only is he calling while driving, yeah. uh, he's doing it on two different phones. Hey, 2000, what a time to be alive. Yeah, the best time. Do you ever have a car phone? No, I've never had a car phone. Never had a car phone. No. I've never even been in a car that had a car phone. I, no, I don't think I have either. You know? Do you think it's all conspiracy? It was only in movies? It was only in right movies. Right into there us. Was never a car phone. <laughs> right into us. Tell us if you had a car phone. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, he's, he's indulging this woman. He's being a little flirty. And she's like, you're such a naughty boy, Cotton. What would your girlfriend think about this? And he's like, what do you mean? What girlfriend? I'm standing outside her fucking bathroom door, bro. Mm. The voice of this killer, uh, I think it's been the exact same guy in all of the movies. He was, yeah. Did you I get his up. name? Uh, Robert Roger- L- Robert L. Jackson, I believe. His yes, name okay, is. that yes. sounds that sounds familiar. Um, love his voice. Oh in, yeah. In the first movies, I don't know if he did this on this set, but he used to stand off camera and would try to you know not be seen by the actors or actresses, and and would do the whole scene on the phone actually, rather than how they typically do movies where they'll add it in later. But he had like in the first movie, like Drew Barrymore and shit, like right. you know, he's really affecting their performance by the intensity of his. Voice. I want you to look this up after this podcast because he's a goofy looking dude. Oh yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what he he's looks like, like or anything. Like he's like a this, voice actor, right, for the most part? Yeah, I he's can't just imagine like this, doing more. this big, you know, gray-haired, goofy-looking guy. Great voice, though. Yo, Great fantastic. Voice. But yeah, it switches, you know, from his fucking magic voice box that we'll get into a little bit later, but <sighs> we can brush on the impossibility of it right now. Switches, you know, from a, a gorgeous woman, sounding woman anyway, to... Uh, you know, the ghost face killer voice that we all know and love. Yeah, with no audio quality lost whatsoever. He asked Cotton, where is Sydney? And Cotton basically says, you know, if you harm my girlfriend, I'll fucking kill you. He says, oh, wrong answer, whatever. Hangs up. Cotton Weary's a regular fucking transporter. He navigates and weaves his way through this LA traffic. <laughs> then we cut into his girlfriend who is showering, but didn't bother to wash her hair. Just taking a body shower, huh? Zach? Yeah. You really commented on that. I was the first thing I noticed. Some It was the first thing I noticed is that she steps out of the shower and like uh, her shoulders That's up is completely dry. That's a thing. Women women will sometimes just wash their body and leave their hair because, you know, sometimes they're going to do something with it later. Mm-hmm. That's what I've learned throughout my life, mm-hmm. you know, Zach? Mm-hmm. So 
Scream 3, 1, Zach, 0. Journeyman Brandon, everybody. That was <laughs> really, really good. Thank you for that Thank commentary. Uh, but anyway, she gets out of the shower, and how pissed off would you be if someone broke into your home and blared a creed out of nowhere? This woman is startled by the sounds of, what if I avenge? What if I? Oh, man, oh, man. That was an original song, by the way, written for this movie. <laughs> um, I just want to interject here really quick because I know I usually uh, stress that we put our phones away, but my phone did just pop up and my roommate Spencer, the voice uh, at the beginning of Nostalgia Be Damn, writes in and says, my grandfather had a car phone. Of course he did. <laughs> God damn it, Of course Spencer. he did. If there's God any family it. in the world I'm not surprised had a car phone, it's Spencer's family. <laughs> what does that say about Spencer? I don't know. I hope he comes out. I'm going <laughs> to make fun of him. I'm going to make fun of him. He better not. She shuts off the music and then hears Cotton's voice like, hey, honey, I'm home. And she's like, oh, I... Don't play your stab games, which, by the way, that opens a whole weird world. Like, uh, what's he been doing to make her yeah, think his like behavior's no, kind of normal? Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, turns out it's fucking Ghostface, yet he's not holding the voice machine, which leads me to believe he's fashioned it he's inside, it inside his inside mask, his right? I, dude, I don't... I can't Look, even... Look, I'm going to be defending a lot of this movie, but I'm just going to bounce some questions off you to see what your reactions yeah, are. Okay, so far, ahead. they seem negative. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I mean, it just... The uh, the idea of this goddamn voice box. Yeah, you were really upset with this. I was able well, to forgive it okay. at first, and but no, no, you're no, right. no, the no. More no. you think of it, it's it's pretty infuriating. Because the pro the problem I have with this voice box is that you know I could accept it if it's used once or twice. Yeah, it yeah. is used as like a major plot oh, yeah. point. The in movie, this movie hinges on this. Yeah, like you the entire idea that this movie works is based on this fucking impossible technology. <laughs> So Ghostface tries breaking into the door where the girlfriend's hidden, and uh, that's when Leif Schreiber gets home. He sees all the knife slits there in the door, and he, he kicks the door in, and the girlfriend, who thought at this whole time that he was just acting crazy and <laughs> dressed up like a serial killer, tried to kill her. She's, you know, trying to defend herself. She smashes him in the head with a golf club, and then the real Ghostface comes in. Booyah! Knife to the back. She goes down. I'd say there's a lot of just knives to the back with a lot, not a lot of blood in this. Yeah. Kind of upset. And I know it was kind of, uh, you know, around 2000, so they were very conscious about this post-Columbine. Columbine, a yeah. lot of, like, I guess the story originally involved more high school, and they didn't want to put it there because of that. So I get it. It's a kind of a product of its time. But at the same time, it's a really weak entry in the... Uh, I mean, these movies don't go for gore, like, yeah. for the most part. They're not like your It's more psychological, but at the yeah. same time, some of these deaths more, yeah. are a There's, little lame. They're lame, yeah. They're kind of yeah. just lazy. But anyway, she gets the knife to the back. He winds up... There's a scuffle, and uh, we finally do see the voice box once he stabs, you know, Cotton. And he uh, takes out his voice box, and he's like, It was a simple game, Cotton. You should have just told me where Sydney was. Now, you lose goes to stab him one last time and we get the most fucking intense number three you've ever seen in your life son it rips through the screen that's the title sequence <sighs> house Ugh. hands are sweaty knees weak arms are heavy stop we don't have time for this <laughs> we just don't you're have so time upset. For this. this movie bummed you out oh it did man it brought me down come on i'm trying to bring you back up man i'm scream three stop scream it three. stop so, it uh we cut to the the hills of California, okay, kind of California, California, California. Nev Campbell, uh, the incomparable Nev Campbell. She plays Ugh. Sydney Prescott. Look in the pantheon of horror female protagonists, one of the best. Fine, one of the best. Okay, fine. 
Fine. Inarguable. Guess what? All these movies pass that Beckdale test or whatever it is because women are talking about things other than men. These have strong female characters who get shit done. I, you know what? I'm not the gonna, least of it. All right, just give me some. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna disagree with <laughs> begging that. for crumbs at this Fine. point. So I think what they do with her character. One of the few pros I'll give this script is the logical, I would say, next step for her character uh, profession-wise. Like, she goes into, like, a like a domestic violence hotline. Yeah, it's thing a crisis hotline yeah, crisis for hotline. women, and she can work from home where yep. she can just keep an eye on the door. Beware of dog. Beware of dog. Okay, beware of dog. It's this dumb-looking golden retriever. <laughs> you loved it. I fucking love that dog, and if that dog died, I was going to walk out and end the podcast. <laughs> no dog deaths in this no whole movie. No dog deaths yeah. in this whole movie, and I'm very proud of it it also passes the test for dogs <laughs> <laughs> then we get a little taste of our old friend gail weathers and we were talking about how she pretty much represents the worst of journalism oh my right? god like dude west craven clearly hates the goddamn media because first of all she was fucking annoying in the first one too like, i liked her character but yeah her, her I, mean, I liked her performance and yes she's fun you know what i mean but no like, her but, character but as a character a yeah. she was as a journalist she was fucking annoying <laughs> trying to get and the like scoop, trying to get the story and like even in this movie that's just like they fucking they're all like wow you're a real piece of shit aren't you <laughs> And she just like takes it. She's like, I mean, kind of. Like, <laughs> should we all just go out fucking murdering people like you did? And she's like, no. Metaphorically, yes. Ugh, God, with yeah, her that's bangs right. too. Oh, with her goddamn bangs. There's even a point in this film where uh, there's a journalist outside of like a murder scene, and he's like, as you could see behind me, security's tight, but we're gonna try and get in there anyway. And then he just starts <laughs> harassing this cop. <laughs> like, dude, they fucking hate the media in this movie. Oh, yeah. Well, she's basically giving a speech at some college about what it takes to be a fucking good journalist. That's when she's stopped outside by McDream himself, Patty oh, Demps. Yes, sir. New character, Detective Kincaid. <laughs> He's investigating the murder. We don't get a preview of his uh, right-hand man quite yet, but how would you describe this guy? Uh Diet Ben Stiller. <laughs> I didn't look up his name, and I refused to. No, I won't. He's, diet, he's diet Ben Stiller. So uh, Patty Demps comes up saying, hey, we found this photo at the first crime scene here at Cotton's death. You know, what do you think this means? I don't know why they keep going to this disgraced journalist who's yeah. you know, basically profiteering off the deaths of countless teens. I don't know. Let's invite her into the murder scene to see what happens. <laughs> She's always on the crime scenes, and no one's saying how a do thing. You get, how did you get in here? <laughs> so... Because it happened in Hollywood, Gail decides, you know what, we're going, we're going to fucking Hollywood to, uh, to investigate myself. We find ourselves on the set of, it's basically Nev Campbell's childhood home, mm. and it is the set for Stab 3. Now, in the second movie, they introduced this whole idea of, you know, making a movie based on the murders from the first movie. Which, you know, in the second one, that sounds like it would have been like, It's oh, a novel ha, ha, idea. Ha, ha, it's clever. commenting. And at the time, in what, 98 or whatever, when the second one came out? Yeah. You know, pretty interesting. Ha, pretty, ha, pretty clever, solid. yeah. No. Here, uh... It doesn't make any sense to me why in the Stab 3 version, they're still doing the storyline from the first from, movie. Because they're all dressed up like characters from the first Scream. Yeah. So and, I they're don't all, know and they're all there. like the same characters. Yeah, why? Oh, God, I didn't even yeah, think about really that. weird. I don't oh, know Oh, man, why. you're just pointing out more things for me to fucking hate about this movie, aren't you? So, well, here's something not to hate. Some of these cast members are like, all right, I can get behind some yeah. of these. There's Emily em Mortimer. Emily Mortimer. Oh, I love her. She's playing like the fake Sydney Angelina. Mm -hmm. She's from the newsroom, by the way. Uh, anybody's keeping score parker posey dazed and confused parker po who by mm -hmm. the way this character is annoying as hell on the page but she is really funny i think yeah, yeah I, I, I she's, like she's 
lively yeah. in this movie. I didn't she plays. I, I thought I was going to hate her, and I ended yeah. up not. By the end of it, she's yeah. yeah, she's all right. She plays the fake Gale Weathers, she, uh, Jennifer. Scott Foley is the director. He plays Roman, um, not an actor in this, but uh, yeah, he's directing this movie. Who's being produced by Lance Henriksen? Always good to see him yep. in a movie. He plays John Milton, who's this sleazy Harvey Weinstein esque producer. That's not even a joke. It's not a joke, and and it's kind of strange how... (laughs) At least things have changed now, am I right? Yeah, that this movie had. It's kind of weird. Uh, Jenny McCarthy is in this for a bit (laughs) as Sarah. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, Matt Keesler is Tom Prince. He's playing Dewey. And then there's, I guess, Dion Richmond, who's the, 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 the replacement Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> you know what I mean? The fast-talking guy. Which, you know, if I was giving this movie any credit, I'd say it was kind of funny that they replaced Jamie Kennedy with a black man. <laughs> well, I'm glad they... Well, one, I'm glad they replaced Jamie Kennedy. You know, if any movies I can tolerate him, it's, it's the first and second one. But don't worry, he'll weasel his way into this movie. <laughs> <laughs> You were pretty angry about that one. Yeah, I was. I was pissed. So apparently on this set, uh, Parker Posey has hired Dewey to be her like or the, technical the, the, advisor. Yeah, I'm sorry. The set has actually hired yeah. him to be the the technical advisor, someone who lived through the events to just be like that did or did not happen right. or whatever. Um, but he's also kind of shacked up with uh, Parker Posey, but they're not banging. He's just kind of. Uh, because he's not even his her bodyguard, Patrick Warburton, yeah. whom we love. Yeah. He plays Stone, yeah. her, her bodyguard. He's the actual bodyguard. But yeah, Dewey at this point is just living in a trailer on her property. <laughs> yeah, he's like just obsessing over I did not understand the nature of this relationship whatsoever. The one thing I do want to say before we leave the movie set for now is that this movie takes place in the Isk universe. <laughs> because <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> As Courtney Cox is storming off the set, she walks right past Jay and Silent Bob. Not Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith playing them, but no. the characters are talking. Jay, I mean, he Jason calls him. Talking him. Silent yeah. Bob, look, it's Gale Weathers. Yeah, Connie fucking Chong. <laughs> <sighs> and then they just walk off, and it's never mentioned again. So we're we're led to believe that this movie takes place in the same universe as Clerks, yes, Dogma, Mall Rats, Mall Rats, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Chasing Amy, Chasing <laughs> all of them. Fuck bro. this. <laughs> if you don't remember, there has been no paranormal activities whatsoever in the entire <laughs> franchise up until this point. Yeah, it's well shot, but it comes out of nowhere. So she has this like weird nightmare about her mother and Sydney. Old, yeah, yeah, an old white gown in the middle of the night. And she's coming up to her window again, effectively creepy. It's unner- unnerving. I mean, you were mentioning this. Nothing's more unnerving than an old white woman in a white gown. Yeah, scratching at your window. Yeah, bloody fingernails. It was pretty unnerving. Yeah. And so she freaks out, sees Ghostface, realizes it's just, you know, another hallucination. Half of this movie is her fucking just going insane. Yeah, her dreaming. Yeah. Real Good thing she's got her fucking vicious golden retriever. <laughs> to help her in time Bleed. of need. <laughs> Cut to Sarah, Jenny McCarthy. Uh, she's the, the second person to go here. She is looking for Roman for uh, some sort of meeting and whatnot. She plays. She's going to be playing a character named Candy. She's super pissed off that what she's a thirty-five-year-old playing a twenty-something-year-old, twenty-one-year-old. Since when is an actress pissed <laughs> off about that? Exactly. Never. That's the goal, right? <laughs> yeah. I, oh man. But uh, just like her character, she's talking about. This is kind of clever, I will say. She, she's going through the lines with Roman over the phone, and she's like, why would I want to play this character? She dies second in the movie, and she's only in two scenes, just like her character and herself. And she's also dumb, and she's doing weird <laughs> things. Yeah. Yeah. You know it's kind of I mean? funny. Like, whatever. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. A, a few of these meta things, I will agree with you, are really One annoying. One or yeah, two work. But there's a few that, that aren't too bad. One or two of them work. 
So as Roman's going over this whole thing, all of a sudden, turns out, no way, man. It's fucking Ghostface. He switches to Ghostface mode. And <laughs> <laughs> she freaks the fuck out and hides in this wardrobe closet that for some reason has dozens and dozens of these full Ghostface like costumes yeah. all lined up on racks conveniently. I get it that you have to have more than one on a movie set, but there's literally like 27 <laughs> of these. And, and they don't, they're not different faces or anything. No, they're all no, the no. They're all the same one. costume. But it comes, you know, it's a cool little set piece. The real one comes out and, you know, he winds up again. It's another fucking stab you in the back over a door. Yeah. Who cares? Boring. Really boring. In other horror movie franchises, I noticed they really don't dedicate the time to these characters. And sometimes it's a positive and other times it's a negative. So here they're, it's like Gale and Dewey just talking about their relationship and how things fell apart. In most horror movies, I would say, this shit's not in there. You know what I mean? Or if it is, it's stupid high school relationships and stuff. I, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying this is a positive, but they do try at least to flesh out these characters. Dude, and I understand why they were trying. And I can almost appreciate it, but God damn it, I need less David Arquette in this movie. <laughs> I need so much goddamn less of David Arquette in this movie. Dude, I did not notice until this watch, like, how he, he is, is bad fucking atrocious I, dude, in this I, I'm film. I'm not going to lie. I kind of like David Arquette every once in a while in a movie, but this is bad. No, he's fucking <laughs> awful in this movie. Like, And Courtney Cox, God bless her, is trying every... She has every fucking scene with this guy, and she's trying so hard. <laughs> Poor Monica. Like, oh, Monica. But yeah, she's chatting about how, you know, she got restless in Woodsboro and had to leave. And, you know, she's a big city gal and he's a small town cop. But now he's fucking Parker Posey. Not really, but kind of wants to be. <sighs> Dewey gets a page from... <laughs> love that technology again. Ugh. Gets a page from Jennifer. She's all distraught because they found another photo at the goddamn crime scene. But they also realized that because Candy was murdered second after mm. Cotton, that they're killing people in the order that they would have died in the script. Wow, three kills in when we already figured out the pattern. Ooh, but don't worry, man. There are so many fucking twists and turns in here. Sure it's like a reindeer is. game's pretzel. Shut the fuck. Also written by Aaron Kruger. Oh, Not even joking. Wow. <laughs> well, never mind. This movie's great. Cut to, you know, more investigations with Patrick Dempsey and Diet Ben Stiller. And they, they're apparently discovered that there were three different scripts floating around. And because, again, they wanted to keep spoilers from getting out. So the cast doesn't know who's supposed to die next. There are three different characters that could potentially be murdered next. Okay. Who's it going to be, bro? Who's it going to be? Are you asking Yeah, me I'm or? asking. <laughs> so... Uh, they talk, take Roman downtown for questions because he was the last person, I guess, supposedly to have, have talked to her. Sid gets a, a call from... I, this one boggles my goddamn mind. Supposedly her mother. It's her mother's voice. She recognizes it. How does this guy Dude, get a I, dead woman's God voice? damn voice how box. How does he get the magic living person's voice? Uh, beyond how me. Does how does he get a dead voice? person's voice? This goddamn magic voice box is the... Dumbest fucking plot device ever. What you could do with this thing? Oh my god, you could get in Prank so calls, much you get trouble. So much trouble. You could change lives. Okay, I mean, lives. just think about this. You can take the president's voice <laughs> and make phone calls. Well, I mean, Zach, you are so good at the impression of Trump that you could do it yourself. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's good. It's a great impression. <laughs> So bad. Can't even get through it. So, uh, Gail, meanwhile, is sneaking around Jennifer's uh, patio there, and she gets caught by Stone, brought inside, and basically explains to Dewey that they've been finding these photos at every corpse. There's now, you know, what, two of them, I guess, they got at this point. <clears throat> and 
He recognizes the backdrop is one of these studios in town, so that's where they're going to go. But uh-oh, bro. Wait, does the power go out yet? Oh, no. Stone's got to die Stone's first. Stone's got to fucking Which, die first. you know first. what? Super sad. Yeah, Stone <laughs> doesn't fucking trust Dewey, so he's off in the trailer looking through it. And he gets a phone call from presumably Dewey, and he's like, hey, Dewberry, checking out your fucking trailer, making sure you're not killing people. Then he says something super insensitive. He's like, I just don't want you to get cut up like your little sister or whatever. Yeah. Which, of course, is referencing Rose McGowan, who yeah. did die in the first film. And actually... Really insensitive. <laughs> yeah, really fucked up. And that actually sets off the killer yeah. because he's using the magic voice box. And He's uh, also in the trailer with him, not a foot away, and no one hears this motherfucker on yeah. the phone with them. Yeah. And he's also not carrying the voice box when he comes out with his knife in the air, but he's yelling, that makes me angry. Yep. And then he stabs Patrick Warburton in the back. Yeah. And then beats his head in with a pan a few times. Once or twice. Yeah. There's a good slap or two. And then Warburton manages to stumble his way back to the house just to kind to of be group, like, yeah. I died. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Well, it's funny because he's clearly dead, falls dead, has a knife in his back. And Courtney Cox's first question is, is he dead, Dewey? The fuck? Of course he is. <laughs> Look at him. He's got a back. knife in his back. God damn you it. You stupid. You're a journalist. A bad one. A bad one, for sure. Uh-oh, bro. Power gets cut. Oh, fuck. I don't know what backup battery system this fax machine has, but it's still <laughs> cranking away, my yeah, friend. The fa- I mean, well, literally the fax everything goes out. must have been battery powered. <laughs> well, we had to make sure our fax machine worked in case the, of the apocalypse. <laughs> so it's got some sort of generator. I don't know, whatever. But it keeps pumping out these pages of the script anyway. Yeah. And they're all reading with flashlights frantically like, oh, my God. Because the last line there says, like, the killer will grant mercy, too. And it blanks. And they all go, we got to get out of here. I have to fucking here. walk through this one. Who's the name of the character? All right, so his name is uh, Tom Prince, played by Matt Keesler. Yeah, Tom. Tom. Okay, so they're reading through, and they're all panicking, and they're like, ah, the killer wants us to to stay inside, so let's everybody, let's go outside. Um, So they go outside, and Tom's like, no, I got to figure out what the fuck's going on, because he's a fucking drunk, tough guy. And he walks in, and he gets the facts. And even though they've been reading the facts in the dark in the same spot, he's like, I can't fucking read this. So he goes into the kitchen, and finds a lighter, lights it, and he says, whoever will grant mercy to whoever whoever smells smells the the gas. And then the fucking house, like, they must have gotten Michael dude, Bay to do this. Dude. It fucking nuclear explosion <laughs> goes off. Yeah, it is insane. How much gas would have had to have filled that house for that thing they to go off? They the didn't smell the they gas. They didn't smell the gas. They were in the house yes, like, the entire a time. Ago. A second ago. Fucking insane. Whoever smells... But then we were also talking like, all right, what if he goes in there and he can just read it without turning on a lighter? And he says, whoever smells the gas... It says, whoever smells the gas... Oh shit! You know what? There's you know probably what? I smell a gas. gas. Like, all right, all right I'm gonna head out. No one light it. anything. Yeah, cool. And the fucking ghost face is out there in the bushes. Like, oh, oh fuck. Oh fuck. Oh shit! He didn't. Oh fuck! I thought he was gonna Dude, go inside. Wasn't dark enough find, in there. Thought he was gonna go inside and find a lighter. Yeah, and the fact that he even puts the lighter in the drawer, so it's not like something quick that you just find on like. There's thought. That he goes took into a lot this. of chance. A lot of chance. This is a risky kill, Ghostface. I didn't know the fax machine was gonna work. <laughs> risky kill, Ghostface. Ugh. <laughs> He's slipping. He is slipping. So, yeah, huge explosion. You know, a few of our characters go tumbling down this hill. Uh, Basically, Gale gets cornered by this van or whatever, and Mm -hmm. Dewey straight up fucking shoots this killer like three or four times. Guy rolls underneath. They take his eyes off him for one goddamn second, though, and he conveniently every time Why does anybody take their eyes off the fucking... 
Look, this has always been the, the, my biggest gripe with these movies. Uh, and you mentioned it earlier because what we kind of like about this series is that the killer gets roughed up. Like, he gets yeah. fucking beat up every, oh, every you so actually, to remind you. You, yeah, you, have, you have a chance. Exactly. If you meet this guy face to face, you just have to fucking use your brain a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of kicking and of, in balls and punching in the faces. Yeah, but. and of course, no one does ever. It's very rare. Sydney's yeah. usually the Sydney's only one. Sydney's usually the only one yeah. that uses her brain. <laughs> Dewey on occasion. But not really because not he's, this one. he's very slow to get there. But yeah, uh, then there's a whole scu- after he rolls away, Parker Posey comes up. And there's a whole scuffle where she punches Dewey. Then uh, you know Gail punches her. My lawyer liked that. Then Emily Mortimer comes fucking wandering up. Uh, this is the movie's like desperate attempt to be like, hey guys, it's probably it's her. Probably her. It's probably her. Right? This is the, the biggest waste guys, of a red herring. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's guys, it's, it's not probably her, right? Like no. Of course it's not her. Are you kidding me? She's like five foot five. Sydney decides to come back to town and then, uh, you know, they reunite at the police station. <laughs> There's a Fuck. big stupid reveal where he walks in. Someone wants to help. <laughs> hey, sh- hey, detective. There's somebody here who wants to help. <laughs> and Sydney pops out. Oh, man. oh, the dumbest goddamn thing And Kincaid. Ever. He's a real cinephile. He's got a few posters around his office. He's always dropping, you know, movie references here and there. I wonder what his favorite scary movie is. Let's stay tuned to find <laughs> out. <laughs> Both of our favorites lines. <laughs> uh, then, so this part's always baffled me even as a kid because I don't know if if it was a contract obligation or if Jamie Kennedy Ugh. just straight up begged Wes Craven to be like, please, so the- I need to keep my lights on in my apartment. I don't let me have this role. Okay, yeah, because I don't even understand how it connects in the fucking film. Well, yeah, so he's killed, obviously, in the second one for yeah. folks who don't know. And a spoiler alert. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> dude. No. So he dies in the second one and uh, yeah, gets stabbed to death in a van by the mom from Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that says about Jamie Kennedy. But, <laughs> but you know, he's he, in each movie, he's kind of explained the rules he's got the famous scene in the first one and the second one yeah. he also explains the rules of sequel so in this one he's got to explain the rules of trilogies man oh my god all bets are off <laughs> I was gonna say that's one. all we know that in the Dude, trilogy he's fucking rambling it makes no sense they're taking it so seriously there's like sad music playing well, yeah, over. so, so the like fuck is he talking about <laughs> i have no idea what he said in this so scene. they go they go to martha meek's uh like trailer on some hollywood law i don't know where the fuck they are at this point but i think they're still in some studio but anyway yeah. martha meek she's randy's sister and she basically is like hey he made a if I in case I die tape or whatever. <laughs> like they pop it in. Yeah. And yeah, he's like, What's up, guys? If you're watching this, I died. And his fucking roommate keeps knocking on the door behind him. You know, it's Jamie Kennedy's stand up routine for a good fucking four minutes. Yeah, dude. It's <laughs> oh, this scene is so fucking prolonged, it's not funny. It makes no goddamn sense whatsoever. He's, but yeah, explaining the rules for a trilogy. So he's like, guess what? The villain, he's unkillable. You basically gotta cryogenically freeze his head or blow him up. And Neither thing happens. In Neither this movie. happens in this movie. <laughs> and also, like, why are they taking him seriously? They're like, <laughs> this is oh, their lives. these are yeah. Like, he's like, anybody, any one of you could die. That means you, Sydney. And she's like, oh fuck, really? Dude, he's like taking notes. Is, yeah. Like, like, oh fuck. Like, you might be honest. Somebody, he's a fucking idiot stoner. And the third and final rule is the past will come up to bite you in the ass. Like, you think your past, your sins are forgiven or whatever, like, the past will come back to haunt you. Oh, my God. I just made that connection with you, the end of this yeah. movie. Oh, fuck yeah, this dude. They made film. it happen. No. They made it no, happen. No, they didn't. Fuck this film. Boo, 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 boo. Fuck this movie. 
fuck this fucking movie. But, dude, like, what what examples is, what is he talking about? I can't think of film trilogies that he's going on about that he's like, uh, in the third one. Like, what third movie in a trilogy? Did he mention Star Wars? Like, I don't know. I, they, dude, That's I, the other thing. Like, the second one they provide references and examples. Yeah. They don't mention a single third film. I, well, I can't even fucking comprehend what he's saying. I, like, I can't, I can't offer any analysis in Whatever, this part. Man. Other than it was a waste of goddamn time well, and probably money. Hey, he ends it with like, I'll be seeing some of you soon. So it looks like you guys ain't gonna make it. I didn't. Cut to black. Scream 3. What'd <laughs> Scream 3, what'd you what'd think, you think dude? Really, 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 really bad. <laughs> So Gail decides to do a little investigating on her own, but is soon joined by Parker Posey because I like her rationale that, like, you know, the guy's trying to kill you. So if I just hang around with you. Again, this is when I start to like this. I don't want to die. And I figured that, like, if I'll be around you, he'll just kill you instead of me. Yeah. (laughs) So but this is this came out of nowhere. And this this kind of angered you, did it not? I almost had to step up and walk out of the room. I was I was offended. I was borderline offended. They go to this uh, archive studio archives. They're trying to find information on, you know, Maureen Prescott, Sydney's mother. She's trying to find some connection to her in the studio. And who should they find there? Who's like the, the holder of these records? Carrie fucking Fisher. Princess, Princess Leia. Leia. And yeah, she's going on like, are you Carrie Fisher? No, don't even ask me. Well, like, and, then they, and she just points to like a headshot that's like, just yeah. it, like a fairly like you could find Popular, that yeah. photo of Carrie Fisher if, on a Google search right now. And it just has like a fake name under it. And yeah, I auditioned for Princess Leia. You know who gets the job? The one who sleeps with George Lucas. Which, you know. Ew. And they're and oh my god, they must have been fucking dying on set. They're like, oh my god, this is the funniest thing we've ever done. I can't believe we got Carrie Fisher to do this. She made a reference to Star Wars. This is fucking funny. No, shut the fuck up. Leave Carrie Fisher out of your shitty fucking movie, Wes Craven. If you want to put Carrie Fisher in the movie, fine. Just put Carrie goddamn Fisher in the movie. Do not make her like reference Carrie Fisher. Don't make her be like, yeah, I'm Carrie Listen, Fisher. Man, Just put Carrie the Fisher in the movie. The thing that could happen is if Jay and Silent Bob walked in and they smoked a Jay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you were in love with this scene. I tried to talk you down. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Sydney, I guess, is taking a dump at the studio or something, but she's leaving the bathroom. And this baffles me. She sees, like, you know, the black foot, the black shoe, black boot, rather. Yeah. Jesus. Get up on top of the toilet seat lid that we've seen, you know, in every other of the screen movies so far. So mm-hmm. we're like, oh shit, that could be Ghostface. So and Sydney's, you know, hip to be a square. Yeah. <laughs> so she, she takes out her mace, kicks in the door, and who is it, dude? It's Emily Mortimer. Why is she standing on the fucking toilet? And she's she's got the ghost face mask yep. and wearing the black boots. Yeah, so so she's wearing like two thirds of the ensemble. It can't be her. She can't be the killer, right, dude? I can't be, dude. No way. No way. But yeah, she basically convinces Sydney, like, oh, like I thought this might be my only movie role, and I wanted to take a piece of Hollywood back with so me. So I took the. So I took the shit. I took all the. I took the costume, and she fucking believes her. Believes her. Lets her go. Doesn't even fucking question and it. She even goes so far to try to return her stupid ass brush, <sighs> and comes across the goddamn killer again. But not before she has another one of her goddamn waking hallucinations. Oh yeah, where she's like getting chased by like the ghost of her dead mother, or some stupid shit like this. Well, yeah, she goes into like the you know. And I imagine this would be traumatizing for someone to go back to a see a set recreated to be the vicious yeah, like so. you know murder site of your family and friends. Really quick because. <laughs> 
we're pushing this along. But uh, really quick, as a as a big fan of the original, did you like the shots in this where they were essentially recreating the first chase scene? So. I like the fact that it's li- it is literally shot for shot the exact same. I mean, the same camera yeah. movements. That I, the the attention to detail I thought was kind of interesting. Okay, I found it kind of weird that they were literally just referencing themselves. <laughs> like it'd be different if it was kind of like okay, you know, homaging a different filmmaker or anything. But it's just really weird to recreate. Right. Well, the same scene, because yes, of course, she, Ghostface does wind up appearing and chases her up the staircase, just like the first Cause, movie. Because that's how I felt about it, because I was like, that just like, seems like kind of up its own ass here. Like, just <laughs> a like, little, yeah. Look, we're doing the same thing we already did. Like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> All right. She gets away. Yeah, and it's a classic, you know, he sneaks away in a blink of a goddamn eye, and Kincaid and Diet Ben Stiller arrive to save the day. Thank God. Gail, Dewey, and Jennifer, meanwhile, confront John Milton because at this point they've made the connection that uh, she had a stage name, Maureen Prescott, Rena Reynolds, who did some work for the studio. Mm-hmm. Turns out Lance Henriksen was the head of that. So they go there, and this is like we were talking about, kind of how it's uh, really a, <laughs> ahead of its time. Ahead of its time, sadly. Kind of mentioning about all these, like. He Harvey Weinsteins. He guess. does, yeah. Like she's talking. He's tells the story of how she was young and and you know it was the 70s it was a different time back then well i don't know if it was yeah and it was just you know it's implied that she was you know taken advantage of and raped in these you know dark seedy creepy ass parties back in the 70s and then you know, she didn't get anything that she didn't invite herself with some of the weird ass shit he's talking about yeah he like justifies it it's very creepy but this is when we get i think my favorite scene in the movie right what's that uh mcdreamy and uh Nev inside the detective. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're yeah. chatting about movie trilogies and yeah. his love for film. Because we need more fucking trilogy talk. Because if you didn't know, this is the third scream, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. We're and in I the promise, third movie of guys, this trilogy. Guys, we promise we're not making another one. It's the concluding chapter no, of this is trilogy. this is it. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, but yeah, he goes, you know, all I know is in the third one, all bets are off. And as he's leaving, they go through this whole through thing and thing and shit that you could tell they're, are they getting a little romantic? It's not really, you know. Oh, wow. I mean, who cares? It's, McDream- it's McDreamy and Party of Five. I bro. literally don't care. Well, you care about this line. As he's leaving, she asks him, hey, detective, what's your favorite scary movie? And he turns around and instead of saying the line there at the door, he uncomfortably walks right up into her face. Like he's about to kiss her. My life. My life. Oh, my fucking god. That's I found my next tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> like who the fuck writes that? Aaron Kruger, the guy who wrote Transformers Revenge of the Fallen and Reindeer Games. Dude, that's Tr- who. Troy Duffy thought that line was <laughs> shitty. Troy Duffy's like, "Wow, what a douche." Get out of here, man. <laughs> it's Roman's birthday party. They're throwing this big bash for the director there, Scott mm-hmm. Foley. I don't know if we've ever actually mentioned his... What is What was he in? Like, Alec McBeal or some fucking show? Yeah, he was... Felic- he was I don't know. He was very 90s shows. famous. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was on TV a lot before he got yeah. into to movies. And he wasn't in many. But, uh, yeah, it's his birthday. They're throwing it at Milton's creepy old mansion, which is the same set from the school in Halloween H2O 20 years later, dude. Were you excited about that? Seeing that again? Yeah, I was really pumped because, you know, I really wanted to review visit two of my favorite movies ever come on dude you <laughs> suck so jennifer and roman split up as well as emily mortimer and dion richmond they're going to search the why grass. do they do Look. the scooby-doo split up shit because they can't have them in the room when dewey and gail discover what's going on dude so they get a call 
from Nev Campbell earlier saying like, hey, come to the house and uh, they go to call her back and they realize that the phone is in the closet along with all of the fucking ghost face shit, including the, the magic, secret magic voice box, bro. The secret bro. magic voice box. And this is so stupid. There's no screen or anything. It literally looks like... It looks like, like the Bane's fucking mask. Yeah, it looks like something Men in Black would have something yes. nondescript, yeah, or like, like a fucking Bluetooth speaker today. Yeah, uh, but there's just like like four buttons on there and like a red flashing light. So how how is he logging all these voices in there? But she holds it. She's like, "Oh, Dewey's got our voices." Yeah, she how doesn't do even know? think about how it. She just know? like presses play. She's like, "Dewey has our voices." Like. How, and how she's not speaking in a different voice other than the robotic, like, a ghost face type voice. It's not like she's speaking in Sydney's voice. Yeah, like, how the God fuck did you it. know? <sighs> it's almost as if that technology doesn't exist and the actors had to do voiceovers and record their own dialogue to make us believe that it's a fake goddamn magic voice box machine. Listen, I don't want you to think about it too much. In 20 years when they're watching this and they have that technology, they're not going to think twice about it. <laughs> so Roman goes uh, down into the basement Jennifer stays upstairs and this whole like mystery like oh did he or did he not get killed there was some mysterious sounds and whatnot he's playing yeah. with some goddamn like fake movie memorabilia and dummies and all this shit all this weird stuff that's you know being held in Milton's basement there yeah Gail and Dewey split up. Gail winds up downstairs and she finds Roman's dead body. He's They found him in like a fake movie casket. Mm -hmm. And she even goes so far as to check his pulse. She even goes as far to check his pulse. To check his pulse to see if he's alive. That's a lifelike body, right, too? That's not some dummy or anything like that. You wouldn't suspect it to be or anything like that, right? Right. No. Yeah. So we'll move on. Yeah, moving on. Moving on. Not thinking about it. Not at all. Uh, they go upstairs. Her and Parker Posey team up. And they're running around the house and they run into Emily Mortimer. And they're like, hey, come on, get out of here. And she's like, no, I'm, I didn't fuck that guy Milton just to die with second rate celebrities like you two. Ooh. And she runs off like a weird doofy asshole, by the way. Yeah, runs why kind of stupid. She, everybody's yeah, running like an idiot you know, in this scene. Talking like, you guys should get out of here too. Boom. Ghostface shows up, stabs her very unceremoniously and almost no blood in the chest a few times. Yeah, I think in the neck once. Yeah, too, right? in the neck. Yeah. She's dragged off. Dion Richmond, you know, our favorite character, gets thrown out the window. There's a whole chase effort to get stabbed. And I do like the part where he gets, like, the rug torn out from underneath him because that looks yeah, really violent. violent. Yeah. yeah. It's the he most gets, violent thing in this movie. Yeah, thrown out the window. And, again, it just really – none of the kills are on screen. Like, he gets thrown off and you find his body later. But, again, it's just really – it's just and, – and, and every single kill we've seen so far, every single one – has either been done in another one of the Scream movies. There's not like a kill you in the garage door or, yeah. you know, one of those creative kills. And Scream necessarily isn't one of those series that's like, look at how many fucking crazy kills we can do. But at the same yeah, time... Yeah, they purposely try not to fuck, do that. man. But... It's really the same shit again and again. Yeah, it's... Ugh, God, I'm, I'm tapped out at this movie at this point, by the way, and there's still like... 15 to 20 minutes left. So Parker Posey winds up getting trapped behind this uh, this weird-ass room, I'll say. So it's a two-way mirror. In the bedroom. Yeah, and like you can look into this closet. She's it's basically like a giant walk-in closet that you can look through into the bedroom. So I can't imagine the dark fucking implications yeah, that I, that room was created don't for. Don't try and don't think Ugh. about it. Just don't but she's, yeah, screaming it. behind the window. This is kind of a cool little tense Wes Craven, you know, suspense builder where she's banging on the windows. Of course, it's ruined by, by David Arquette's like, the windows are moving. Yeah, that <laughs> fucking <laughs> mouth breather just staring. What's happening? But yeah, the killer comes up and stabs her a few times, but Dewey shoots out all the windows, and I think it's implied that he shoots her in the back or something. I don't right? Know. I don't know. No, I way. think no, I think she's just stabbed to death because she's it's like possible. clutching her stomach or again, chest not enough gourd for us to tell. Yeah, no, you really can't tell. And, yeah, she, she, and she died off screen. And she so also died like, off screen. You, yeah. you don't fucking know. God damn it. I will say this is one of my favorite little set it, it descends into stupidity, but I like the little setup of this where 
They were once again split up, and Gail gets pulled downstairs of the staircase. They fall downstairs because she's, again, fighting back or whatnot. The killer winds up unconscious at the bottom of the staircase, and she's trying to get the attention of Dewey to help her out because she knows that if she moves, he'll wake up. Mm -hmm. So she calls Dewey, and because there's been this whole spe like we don't know like, whose we voice don't know is who, actually he doesn't it. actually believe her when she's on the phone, and she's trying to whisper downstairs, and he says, don't you think you know that the killer would try to convince me he was you? And basically, at the last minute, you know, she moves, screams, he opens the door, and the killer turns around. I remember this was a trailer shot, and Dewey goes to shoot him, but his you know, gun it's, is empty, and so the killer so throws, throws the, the fucking knife, knife at him. But of course, it can't hit him straight in the skull, which... Oh, wouldn't that have been awesome? Oh, it would have been a fucking sweet death, and we would have gotten rid of David Arquette. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but no, the butt of the knife hits him. He falls down the stairs and collapses. And we cut back to old, uh, you know, Sydney Prescott. She's still in the old police station. They're and, having a uh, pizza party in the police. <laughs> yeah, tax dollars put to use. <laughs> and uh, she gets a call from it's just repeating her voice back to her and I really don't like the way that Wes Craven must have been like Sydney Nev uh, make sure that there's some sort of distinct pattern that we can repeat later because yeah. she's like um, who is this um, who's calling um, who's calling it's like yeah, stupid it's, like no one talks yeah, like, you, like Nev. everything from the stutter it's very clear it's very, that they just like cut the audio and like told her to stutter it. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, the killer, you know, comes in with a very clever line. It's something that <laughs> it was really stupid, but anyway. She's, oh, because she thinks that she can only hear herself oh, yeah. on the phone call. She's like, uh, Gail, Dewey, Gail, whoever this is, call me back because I can only hear myself. I can only hear you too, Sydney. <laughs> Spider-Man. Is Willem Dafoe now? Now he is. All right. Yeah, it gets the call from Ghostface Killer basically to tell her, you know, that she's he's got her friends and, you know, the only way she'll see him alive if she comes to the mansion. Welcome to the final act. Ugh. Hey, all bets are off. <laughs> all bets are off. It is a trilogy after all. But it's worth noting that she does take a gun from McDreamy's office so she's now stolen the weapon of an officer broken the law yeah moving forward gets to the mansion finds Dion richmond's you know dead body outside there's also a metal detector use it <laughs> use it so yeah she i guess hid two guns in her she anticipated this happening or just wanted two guns yeah throws one of them out and tricks the old g face killer <laughs> <laughs> and shoots him like five times in the chest yeah pretty immediately scream three what'd you think dude <laughs> i wish right no gets shot five times in the chest she goes to you know take the ropes off untie gail and dewey again so eyes are off him for a second eyes off for one second god damn it he's gone but in his place who's this it's detective kincaid his brow is furrowed he's even shot like there's shadows in his eyes and man does he look guilty his <laughs> hair has never been larger <laughs> But yeah, he just comes in so suspiciously. Yeah. Po gun pointed, like, oh, I heard shots. Yeah, like wiping, Tyson's like, dead. Yeah, like wiping on? blood off his head. Oh, hey, what's what's going on? <laughs> Throwing the mask off his head <laughs> as he walks in. What's, oh, I didn't even see what's happening here. Again, hey. the fucking red, the non-committal red herrings in this movie. Oh, yeah. It's so dumb. Because, well, that, they, they last so quick like you know what i mean like they're resolved instantly instantly because yeah, yeah he walks in and then you know immediately Ghostface comes behind nev campbell he pushes it out of the way and gets stabbed there's this whole tussle back and forth where mm -hmm. he gets his head bashed off a fireplace it's kind of funny <laughs> kind of but nev campbell's shooting at the ghost face and uh runs out of bullets eventually you want motherfucker come and get me runs away run dewey run oh thanks dewey <laughs> i wasn't gonna do that wow you know what Kill Dewey. <laughs> you know what? Never mind. Just fucking kill Dewey. Scream three. What'd you think, dude? 
<laughs> so she runs away, eventually finds her way into the, uh, you know, private screening room, the, you know, the famed hidden room within the walls of Milton's mansion. And this is where we get our exposition dump. Here we go, man. Let's find out what, who could be the killer oh. and how does this resolve? Oh, I don't know. I, there's so many fucking options. It could be, well, it can't be McDreamy. He was just attacked. Yeah. Maybe it's Dewey or Gale. Or that maybe doesn't it's, make any sense. Oh, wait. Well, it's so got to be the movie producer. He's the only one alive. Yeah, that's right. It's got to be him. It's, oh, wait. Or... Or, or Ben Stiller light, but I doubt it because <laughs> he was at the he was at the precinct. He was at the precinct eating pizza, so it's it's got to be the it's got to be the producer. It's it's the producer. It's Milton. But oh no, oh no, we take off the mask and who is it? It's her. What the same blood? It's her fucking brother. We got the same blood. <laughs> Roman, aka Scott Foley. Holy shit. Okay, so let's unpack this. I was so fucking confused because I was trying to rack my brain. He's like, I'm your brother or something like that. And I was like, wait, your own flesh and blood. He delivers this whole story about how he was a young boy. He was given up by Maureen, Sydney's mother. And uh, Maureen left him a lot, like left him alone, I guess, either in Hollywood or wherever she was and left from for a better life with Sydney's dad and raised Sydney. Left him all alone. That's so fucking convoluted and Very so convoluted. last minute. Tell me about it. Like, there's there's absolutely no reason to believe this fucking motivation whatsoever. So let's break this down. The first scream works so wonderfully. Mm -hmm. So wonderfully because it introduces a genius concept that, to my knowledge, had either not been done before or if it had was not so Was not executed as well. Having two killers. Yeah. Because it completely upends your expectations of your guessing well it couldn't be her boyfriend no matter how specific how, how blatantly right. obvious it appeared it couldn't be him because there's a killer and he's chased them too i've seen this yeah but if you have two killers and they're working together it makes so much sense and the first time it works it's such a surprise the second time you know okay it could be two killers so it broadens the range of your suspects yep and in the second one they do the thing where I'm sure it probably would have been a better ending had the ending not been leaked online. I don't know what the original intention was, but they 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 managed to make the characters kind of make sense, and it's a fine reveal. It's it's not nearly as good as the first one. Okay, this one pisses me off so much now. I mean, it did it the, when I first watched it, but I was like, whatever. Yeah. This because it completely ruins. Like everything, there's so many times where like yeah. it, it possibly it cannot possibly be this guy. Like He's, he can't be in these locations at the same time. He starts he, like doesn't he start to imply that he was the one who was like goading on the other killers? Yes, like that's fucking insane. That just so ruins the trilogy. It ruins the all bets yes. are off. Yeah, all bets are off because well the past comes back. You know? <laughs> the ba you, we yeah, pay for they, our they do sins. This terrible thing where he reveals his whole goddamn plan in the original he, he i guess manipulated billy and stew to commit the murder in the first place <sighs> and like that really ruins the whole motivation for the first yeah no movie. i if, like, if fuck, i man i mean i gotta tell you man i'm not trying to tell you what to do but if i loved this series as much as you i would not consider this film canon <laughs> i just wouldn't i would i would fucking ignore this film yeah, man, like this really just, it's just... It's irritating. And then, so then, let's break this other stuff down, because this bothers me too. So he goes down in the basement, the whole scene where he goes down in the basement. Mm -hmm. We spend a good, there's a good four or five shots of him by himself down in the basement. Yeah. Who is he acting for? He's like going through like all this memorabilia, like you're trying to make it... What's her face is upstairs, she's upstairs, but she's no not paying attention. Yeah. So then I've also wondered... There's a part where Courtney Cox, fall, after she falls down the stairs, she hits this rubber mannequin or the styrofoam mannequin. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, blade comes down and cuts like this fake styrofoam head off. I'm wondering, yeah. was that the body that he used to fake her out? Because, I, or how else did he slow his po his 
blood rate down or whatever. Or his, you know, to, right? Because she felt she his checks pulse. his pulse. Did he use the same fucking I, dude concoction and saw where he lays in the middle of the fucking floor and I no one knows he's have alive? No fucking idea what happened. <laughs> Spoiler alert for Saw. I'm so sorry. Yeah. What the fuck is your problem? <laughs> you kidding me? But yeah, uh, just a huge letdown. Just a, it's a huge wet fart. Oh, it's so bad. And just to let you know that, like, oh, like. Basically, to cover up one of their another one of their sloppy red herrings, he has to kill the movie producer really quick too. Oh yes, yes. He so just he fucking he slices, in, slices his throat. throat. He's like, hey, remember this guy? And then he, his whole plan, I guess, is to pin this all on Sydney to be like she snapped when the third movie was coming out based on her life, and it got too much for her, and she just started killing everyone involved in the production. Yeah. But Scott Foley hopes to make a claim to fame by then killing her, and then I guess his whole plan is to never reveal that he was her, her brother, right? I would assume. I mean, doesn't I matter because it doesn't so. get that far, dude. Doesn't get that far. Because you know why? Because Dewey is fucking a genius. He's out of his ropes, man. And yeah, how's he gonna help him out? I guess he blows the power. He does. Yeah. Put some Tweezers in, puts tweezers in a socket. It's electrocuted with, for a second which is, there. you know, just the kind of genius we've come to expect from this character. But, so, we've mentioned how Wes Craven's really squeezing a lot out of this. Mm -hmm. This part right here is actually rather intense. It goes on for far too fucking long. Way it's a ten-minute long, long wrap-up scene, and it's like, holy shit, let's get this moving. Yeah. But they're, like, yelling back and forth at each other. Like, their acting's not too bad after they get through some of the shittier dialogue. Okay, I'll yeah, give you that. But, like, the bad. back and forth and this whole, like, it's a pretty violent just, like, fight, like, fist fight and, like, stabs and shit. Yeah. Like, it's a well, lot. Well shot. Again, yeah, it goes on far too long. But eventually, he, she winds up stabbing in the back a few times. Patrick Dempsey comes in when you think, oh, shit, he's going to save the day. And immediately is taken out by a chair. knocked out immediately. <laughs> and, Idiot. And yeah, she stabs him in the back, then stabs him in the chest. There's a whole, like, hold my hand as I die thing, bro. And, uh, yeah. I don't fucking owe that guy anything. <laughs> exactly. Fuck him. Elbow that guy in the face. Yeah, what? Because his whole thing is like, yeah, you're going to pay for the mother you took away for the life and for everything you had. God damn it, it should have been mine. Oh, fuck you, man. <laughs> exactly. Like, He's honestly, such a whiny little you. dick. Yeah. yeah. Fucking terrible villain. Well, that and, like, that's almost the exact same motivation, really, as Billy Loomis from the first film, despite it not being his... You know, sister. It's right. his girlfriend, and her, she, his mom, ruined his you know family life, and that's why he did it. It's right. kind of almost the same exact motivation, despite not being related by blood. I guess. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you know, so she thinks she's killed him, and then he gets into a PCP fueled rage. Oh my god! Because Dude. there's always at, at the end of every single one of these movies, there's always that scene where they're like, "Oh well, the killer comes back for one last scare," and they always shoot him in the head. It's the same shit they've done in every movie mm -hmm. up to this point. It's got to happen again, and he starts running at Dewey, and Dewey empties like ten bullets into his chest without him stopping. Yeah, and she's like, "Shoot him in the head." Yeah, head, and he's Dewey like, head. "Oh, okay." Oh, boom. Shoots him in the head, and he's clearly dead. And then my favorite part is when he just looks at her and he goes, "Thanks," and she's like, "You're welcome." <laughs> what? <laughs> he was a cop. You were a cop, man. <laughs> Fucking figure it out. Know this. What Dude, are you doing? Again, a lot of bad shit in that ending. A lot of bad shit. But oh well, it's not over yet. My oh, you, you're damn right. So we get this, you know, a happy ending here where Sid's coming back up to her ranch. Everything seems to be good to go, yeah. and she comes inside. Her dog's still happy and alive. Well, hold on. You you passed over C. Cox and Dave Aquet. Oh yeah, David uh, Aquet. My yeah, friend. he has a copy of her book, which is really dumb and. uh hands it over and hollowed out of this book is a wedding ring they have this fucking awful terrible dialogue where he's like you know i just don't think i could do much better <laughs> and, <then> like, <laughs> and uh, they have their awkward kiss where david arquette literally just like 
fights the urge Ricky to Bobby's, put his yeah, I don't know where it put yeah fights right now. the urge to put his hands next to his sides. Um, so they go inside and McDreamy's there and he's like, "Hey, come on, we're gonna watch a movie." What is it? My life. My life. <laughs> but she goes to put the security system on and she doesn't. Mm-hmm. As she walks away, the door, which was closed, creaks open once again. And instead of going to close it, she leaves it open. Stares at it, leaves it open. Cut to black. There's this swell of music because if you're a fan of the franchise, you know that after every single one of these, they swell the music. And there's a quick flash frame of Ghostface to let you know he's, he's coming, coming back. back. This one, no flash frame, swell of music. Credit. Continues black. Credits. Directed by Wes Craven, Scream 3. She's overcome her demons. She doesn't have that fear anymore. She doesn't have to close the door. Because guess what? It's happened three times. Why would it happen a fourth? Which you know. <laughs> Hope, it Hope it doesn't. Which you know, if this had been in the hands of, like, if this had been a better film, that ending means a lot more to me. Yes, it does. Like, for sure, it means a lot more. And it's actually very cool. It's almost like a fucking uh, Inception ending almost, where it's like, Oh wow, that was ins- a little ambiguous. A little ambiguous, yeah, like, a little you know insightful. It's, yeah, yeah char- like it's cool. Character development. Yeah, very cool. But unfortunately, this movie is a big sloppy wet turd. <laughs> Should I start or do you want to start? How about you start? All right, well, I'll start here. Uh, listen, uh, I, I will start off with the positives. Um, Wes Craven does a great job. He's a good director, man. He he knows how to build tension. He knows uh, all the right shots and all the right moves for to make a slasher film. No one's doubting that. He's proven that time and time again. This one's no different. It, 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 aesthetically pleasing. It looks good as far as a slasher film. But holy God in Christ, this is, I think, one of the worst squip, scripts I've ever seen. Oh, come on. No, dude. It's fucking odd. The dialogue is is appalling. My life. Fuck. (laughs) Hey, there's somebody here who wants to help. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it's like, it it makes sense now that he was like writing this on the fly. He's like, oh, fuck. I'm on set in like an hour. I haven't written this page yet. Like, like, it, it just feels like. They were just fucking writing it as they were going along. Like, they finished the line, and then the actors would look at Wes Craven, and he's like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I guess. Just, yeah, just say something. Going. Just say something. Um, and and just the plot is so fucking... It's so weird, and so... I, it, maybe it's because I didn't watch the second one. <laughs> But, like, I just had no fucking idea what was going on at all times. I had no idea. Like, I asked you, I think three quarters of the way through the movie, I was like, wait, where are they finding all these fucking pictures that were apparently integral to the plot? I had no fucking idea. I was like, wait. Well, what? they never show them discovering a photo at any of these scenes. It's always them later on. Like, there was only one time. There was only one time when they're next to the car after the house explodes. He's like, look, a photo. Oh, like, yes. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. Like, after he was shot six times, he just tossed one under the Jeep. Yeah. And. <laughs> And so it's and like the the fucking magic voice box, man. Holy fuck! Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, man. Like I said, if you're gonna have that done in one scene as a terror device, fine. I can accept it. I've seen weirder things in horror sure. movies. This is like it hinges. The whole movie hinges on the idea that this is a thing. And it's just so goddamn unbelievable and stupid that I can't accept it. Ah, man, I'm I'm getting I'm just gonna start rambling on if I keep going. Um, 
this whole movie just kind of overall felt like it was fan service done absolutely wrong. Like they brought back Jamie Kennedy. They made references. I think that's a great uh, consensus on Rotten Tomatoes is that in trying to do what it used to do differently, they ended up doing exactly what they sought out to spoof. Yeah. It's it just it's so sloppy and lazy and boring. Oh, my God, was I bored. I was bored. I was bored as hell. I all right, thirty six overall. Thirty six percent. I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and give Wes Craven a solid thirty points just because he knows how to make a movie. Yeah. He just had fucking garbage to work with. So you're giving it a thirty? Yeah, and David Arquette's terrible too. <laughs> all right. So uh, I was trying to think if this was a logical extension of the story uh, set up in, in part two. And I, I think that, because the first one's set in high school, second one's set in college, and they do different things, like we said, one's kind of skewering sequels. Yeah, This one, for it to lean so heavily into the trilogy bit, is really kind of stupid, in my opinion. <sighs> it's so bad. I don't think the setting it in Hollywood and setting it around the production of this movie is a bad idea. I think that actually could work well and and is, it's almost is kind of, of the best parts of this movie. The, the characters playing themselves, playing the other versions of the characters. They have a few fun bits there, but it's... The idea of killing the people off in the script, it sounds really, you know, trivial, and it is, but at the same time, I think it's fine for a slasher plot. And here's where you and I differ immensely is that the movies that they're trying to spoof, I still find entertaining. I still love those those fucking Friday the 13th, all those stupid movies. Like, there's still something about that genre that I've always liked. However, I can tell that if you do not like horror movies or, or this genre, that they're bad. But at the same time, I have to be kind of truthful, dude. So... At the same time, though, there's so many, like, the, the the voice box, the fact that it's only one killer, the fact that they disrespect, in my opinion, the first film by retconning, essentially, the yeah, fucking yeah, storyline. Uh, yeah, so much weaker dialogue, but you set it in the genre I love, and you have better characters, despite some of them being annoying, you have better characters than you would in any other slasher, because they just don't give that attention, and... And maybe it is because I have that. That uh, it's definitely because I have the have, fondness for the original. I was going to say you have a sequel. horror bias. Yes, and because I love those first two films specifically, I'm willing to at least just see where these characters go. Uh, and I love there are still a few moments of suspense and and terror that that Wes Craven is just a, a good filmmaker, like you said. So. Mm-hmm. I can't give it a fresh rating, but I but I will give it like I'm gonna give it a fifty three. Fifty three. That's but but know that Scream, in my opinion, would be in like the the low nineties. I right. love that movie, and the second one is probably eighty one percent for me was right around there seventy five eighty. The, the the immense drop in quality is is absolutely evident, and I will say the fourth one's only a little better than this one. It, it leans heavily into the comedy and and does have some interesting stuff to say post. Uh, 2000s because what the fourth one does is, is it focuses on remakes and how because it does kind of tie back into the first right. one and also touch on that's all we were doing in in the early to late 2000s from 2000 to 2010 it was just fucking remake after remake and you know that's kind of what I like about Scream and what I assume I would like about the other two um, is that it does it kind of has a message behind it and you know while at the same time doing exactly like yes. what it's do, yeah. what it is saying um, but 
this one just felt like it tried so hard with this trilogy crap. Yeah. Like the five minute Jamie Kennedy explaining. <laughs> Dude, I'll what agree. A fucking and trilogy. I can't, honestly, this movie should be in like the low forties, but I, 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 I'm just gonna give it a fifty three because I love the genre and the characters. And yeah, and if you are a horror fan and you love these this 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 trilogy, I think that while this one's definitely much shittier than the first two, I think it's still a fine like meh. I think, watch. I think if you chop off a solid half hour of this film and you clean up some of these ridiculous plot points, this is a, a, a very good film. I mean, if you, yeah, change Especially the killer. for a horror film. Yeah, change yeah. the killer. Don't have it go back and wreck on the first movie and take out a lot of these kind of, this is one of those angering meta films that they sometimes mm-hmm. comment so much to the point where it's like, this is... Yeah. I, I don't take it we seriously. It. I, I, we you're get taking it. me out of the movie. Yeah, you know we mean? get it. You had Jay and Silent Bob and Carrie Fisher <laughs> in this fucking movie. Like, cool. Yeah. Awesome. If it like, was written by Kevin Williamson, I'm sure whatever his full first outline was, I, I'm sure we could have gotten a solid trilogy. And in the mm-hmm. like I mentioned, I keep going back to this, but in the pantheon of horror movie franchises, there aren't many, I think, that are better than, than the Scream movies because they're fairly consistent, this one being the absolute drop-off. But for the four films, when you compare them to the, the ten movies and all these other movie franchises, there's at least a good four or five that are fucking terrible in those in those movie series that wind up going direct-to-DVD or whatever. Yeah. The Paranormal Activity movies, the Saw movies, there's a good like five sequels in there that are absolutely the worthless. The Blair Witch, dude! Yeah, exactly, but it's like, for, for four movies, you got one... I would say bad to, you know, at below average movie. Mm-hmm. That's its worst movie, though. And I think that for the most part that this is a good series. And if you're a horror fan, you, you know, you definitely should check them all out. All right. Well, we're taking a 180. Are you fucking kidding me? Did Siri just say there's no need for that? Yeah. That's scary, dude. That wasn't my phone. I don't have Siri. Holy shit. That's some ghost face that stuff. That is ghost face magic shit. voice box. And on the, oh my God, it's Siri. <laughs> Siri's the killer. <laughs> um, we're taking a 180 next week because we are not doing a horror film. We are actually, we're going to have a special guest back on uh, Jimmy Guyon. That's right. From uh, the episode 10, right? I know what you yep, did last summer. I know summer. what you did last summer. Fitting enough. And so he'll be back for episode 42. A little oh. bit of a distance. Um but we're going to be doing a movie that has been oft requested, like since we started. I think the I, I most think requested, the movie. most requested film that we've ever received, uh, which is fucking baffling to me. Yeah, but and we we would have done it earlier had either of us had a fondness or affection for this movie. Well, I did kind of have a fondness for this movie, not not as much as a lot of my friends did, but uh, I do remember this movie, and uh, I've got some stories about it. We are doing. Three Ninjas. Brandon, you've never seen Three I've Ninjas, I've literally right? never seen Three Ninjas. And, and I'm very curious to see how this goes. Yeah, me week. too. That's why I'm glad we have Jamie on. Jamie loved this movie, and mm-hmm. he requested, we wanted us to do this as well. And so I think to have someone who really loves it, someone like you who's seen it before and maybe have fond memories, but it's not. it doesn't seem like it's a big part of your childhood, or maybe I, it No, I wouldn't say yeah, it was a I big part of my childhood. I, like I said, I've got some funny stories about it, um, but other than that, like it did not mold my childhood by yeah. any stretch of the imagination and then we have you who's never seen it i think that's gonna be a good balance I next week uh i'm sure by the end of it we'll both want to kill jamie <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right well don't forget you can check us out at nostalgia be damned 
uh, on iTunes. Just search for us, nbd.podbean.com, which is where we are originally hosted. Don't forget to share, subscribe, tell your friends, please. And we would love a review. That really helps out the show. It does. And if you want to request a movie like Three Ninjas, shoot us uh, an email at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com. We look at that and determine what movies we're going to be doing next and uh, I think we've got a we've got a bunch of movies that we're, we're circling around so yeah. it should be a good little lineup over the next few months yeah and I can't wait till we get the Twitter started that's going to be great <laughs> it's almost becoming a running joke every week like guys swear to God we're getting the Twitter's one. coming I'm man. not even joking though it's coming sometime eventually eventually I promise like eventually at some point in time we will have one maybe I'll do it this week oh do not make promises you cannot keep I've made that promise three times oh okay we'll keep doing it I guess yeah, it's funny at this point. It's angering. But uh, well, thank you everyone for listening, for subscribing, and yeah, share it, let us know, tell us, uh, tell a friend. Please. <laughs> Welcome to the final act. Hey, Zach, what's your favorite scary movie? My life. I can't find-